You are listening to episode 178 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we speed through Monday in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Could have said we speed through Monday on the way to lasagna in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge, Ryan. Some people are lactose intolerant, John. I want to be all-inclusive here. There's lactose-free cheese, I think. It's not real cheese, then. You're right. <laughs> so this week we played a little bit of Garfield Kart Furious Racing on the PlayStation 4. Uh, that is the name, right? Furious Racing? I'm yes. Mess up. All right, cool. cool. Uh, it was quite memorable, other than the title, of course, for me. And we'll get into an Inflation Deflation Challenge. But before we start everything, I'm just going to mix things up here and say you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast applications, including Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, etc. Uh, you can find us on thegameinflators.com. And of course, you can find us on social media at Game Deflators on Twitter, at, game, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. I almost messed it up, Ryan. Remember, Twitter doesn't like that. Twitter doesn't like that. It's the other two that don't. So, and of course, leave us reviews because we like reviews. Six stars if you can, but five is going to be enough as well. It's acceptable. Yep. Okay. Uh, as far as pickups this week, I, the only thing I did was picked up a sweet tattoo. Yeah. John got himself some ink. Yeah. Now he's recognizable in a crowd. Yes, exactly. So, uh, a Shiok is what I got from Magic the Gathering. So, she is a nightmare weaver that pretty much takes the nightmares and fears of people and then weaponizes it basically like it's pretty crazy it's hopefully stuff. hopefully it never gets banned hopefully yeah <laughs> no she won't because she's good but she's not that good yeah actually it's a pretty sick card so it's like a three drop blue black colorless where like she pretty much allows you to exile instead of mill in a sense different cards from different people's you know decks and whatnot so it's a pretty sweet card. Well, it's a sweet looking tat. Dude, I like him. It's not done. That's the cool thing. Like, yeah. It's going to get itchy, though. It's only like three days since I got it. Uh, but that's the only thing I picked up. Other than a controller, because I, I picked up two controllers. One was a PlayStation 5 controller, because you would bitch at me if it was a week later and I hadn't played the damn PS5. Yes, of course I would. And I would bitch at you if you didn't, like, play it the first day. Yeah, I mean, I did mess with it, but yeah. I didn't play it. So, played a little bit of Astro's Playroom. Love the haptic feedback. Love Astro's Playroom, actually. It's a lot of fun so far. It's so, like, nostalgic. Like, I mean, that's exactly what they're going for. And it just hits. Like, all the little cool PlayStation things everywhere. Are, it's it's great. And the, the controls and the interactions and stuff. Did you do, like, the climbing part where you're the monkey? That part's really fun. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I got to where I turn into a ball and I got to control the ball and everything. That was pretty cool. Okay. And then there's a few areas where I had to blow into the controller a couple times where we had to use voice, that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been fun. Like, I'm liking it. My wife hasn't seen it yet or she hasn't played it. But she will. So, play a little bit of that and then we booted up It Takes Two on the PlayStation 5. So, I transferred data over. So, I had to save data on the PS5 reinstalled did all the updates and everything for it takes two i think there's a free ps5 upgrade i'm not sure how that works i'm gonna have to check into it um but we started playing that again we just beat uh moon baboon so basically it's a stuffed baboon doll that they buy their daughter and he wants to protect their daughter because they've made her cry because of the whole divorce situation yeah and so Moon Baboon the whole time is like, you've made her cry, like, I'll crush you, and all sort of stuff, and he rides around a spaceship of laser beams, and it's pretty cool. So, 
specifically the male character in the game uh, where I'm at, you can turn like really big or really small, like mm-hmm. micros- microscopic in a sense. And so, or like ant size, I guess. And so at one point during the boss battle of Moon Baboon, you have to go into his spaceship. So I go in the spaceship as a little character. It's cool because you see like the foot pedal and everything and laser beams and all the workings of the inside of the spaceship. And then there's like an eject button that you stomp on when you're Mm -hmm. inside. And uh, yeah, he launches out and then you control uh, a laser beam on the bottom of the ship. And then the female character is going around like driving while the male character is trying to shoot uh, this beam. And uh, you're basically trying to destroy Moon Baboon. And it's the funniest thing is... I was just laughing when this all went down just because of how I progressed in the story. Moon Baboon's laying down the ground and they're like, we just need to get back to our daughter. Like, how do we get back to our daughter? Like, help us out. You're the only one that can do this. And he's like, I'll help you, but you have to make a promise that you won't make her cry again. And they're like, all right, all right. Yeah, we won't make her cry. Just get us back there. And he's like, okay. So he presses the button, you turn big again, or you get out of that area. And when you get there, they finally get to a place where her daughter is and they're trying to get her attention, like break this curse. And uh, because her tears are the ones that got her in that space. And so at some point, they're like, oh, how do we get her attention? Like, what are we doing? Like, we'll destroy that elephant. That's her favorite toy. And when we break that, she'll cry. And then we'll get better. And it's like, you just made a promise to Moon Baboon that you weren't going to make her cry. And here you go breaking promises. Screw you, Moon Baboon. Oh, man. So it it got a good laugh out of me when that happened. Uh, But yeah, my wife and I are still playing that. And we'll, we'll keep up with it. And so the other game I played was Ocarina of Time. So I got through the most awkward scene I've seen so far in any video game. I forget the name of it, but you go into, I think it's like Dongoro's Cavern or something like that. Yeah. And you go into a city and you have to find this chief. And he's like, hey, I'll, I'll help you out or whatever. Um, but you got to go to this dungeon and get a whole bunch of stuff for me, basically. And so you go there, but you play to Ocarina and he starts dancing. And it's just like this crazy scene where it's like his head is spinning and he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is hot. This is great music. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird sometimes. Yeah, so that was odd. But uh, I'm in there and then I'm in, I just got to the, the dungeon that's tied to that or the cavern. And so, I don't know, it's like a little bit like a sixth of the way or fifth of the way through the game. So it actually goes by pretty quick. But again, like I'm so far not very compelled with the story mm-hmm. in what's happening. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it picks up. I know it picks up or it should. But yeah, right now I'm just like playing through it as like, okay, it's Ocarina of Time. Nothing special so far. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of fearful I'm going to get through this game because so many people have hyped it up over the years. It's like fantastic game, like greatest game on the N64 with Majora's Mask. It's so fantastic. And I'm going to get through this and be like, yeah, that wasn't that good. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, going back and playing a game that's, like, really good from the past doesn't always have that home run feel when you come back to it later. And then sometimes you could be, you know, easily impressed by something, you know, simple. Like, I'm always impressed when we go back and play NES games and they're awesome and they're like way better than what my mind just because I never really played much like I always think it was a way more primitive system than it was and I think you know we look back at how many titles came out on the N64 that like revolutionized and changed gaming and brought them into this 3D space but like it was such a first step at the time that like 
looking back on it, it's like obviously things are better now, and it's it's unfair to judge the game on that criteria. So you don't hold it against it, but it definitely holds it back from being like, whoa. We'll see. I mean, I look at it from the aspect of when I played Conquers last year and when I played uh, Shenmue. For, like, Shenmue wasn't, like, my favorite game, but it was a decent game playing that one, right? And so when I played Conquers, I was like, wow, this game's fantastic. I loved it. It was such a great game. And then now I'm playing Ocarina of Time, and it's same graphics, same type of capabilities and what I'm doing, same, in a sense, same types of controls. Um, and I'm just not enjoying it so far. Now, I know I'm early on in, so I'm going to keep going through it, obviously. It's part of New Game's Resolution, so I'm going to beat it anyways. But it just doesn't, like, it doesn't hit right away, like, with the Conquerors or something. Or, you're, like, even Mario 64. You're not a big Zelda person in general, right? I mean, I like Zelda, and I... Well, like, you like the IP, or, like, you've actually played games of them? I've played Zelda games. Like, I've played through, uh, I haven't played through it all the way, but Wind Waker is one that I've been on and off again over the years. Uh, Link to the Past, and then uh, whichever one was on the 3DS as well. The the one that came out that's like... Spirit Tracks? No, it's Link to the Past, but it's like... Oh, uh, You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, the Link Between Worlds? Yeah, Link Between Worlds. So, like, I've played Zelda games, and I like Zelda games. So, this those just so, are... Those are great games. It's, yeah, but those ones in particular, like, Wind Waker, that was, like, my first Zelda game, too. Yeah. And I could totally relate, like... Because I tried to play ocarina time and stuff post that but um i couldn't really get into it but like after wind waker i was definitely able to pick up and play uh twilight princess and i definitely played um breath of the wild yeah you know so it's like i'm not the biggest zelda person and i think that like kind of where zelda has gone like Ocarina of Time isn't maybe the best, like, depiction of Zelda in, in some ways. Like, I love the the 2D Zeldas, like Link to the Past. I haven't played Link's, or Link Between Worlds, but that's supposed to be good. But, like, those games and Ocarina of Time are, like, very different. Yeah, no, you know? I like, know. Like, you're running around exploring a world and doing stuff, but, like... I just think that those ones are more timeless in a way that's always going to be more successfully looked back on. Well, like I'm going to look it up right now, like Ocarina of Time Metacritic, and just kind of see where it where it lands in terms of score, and like six over, like close to seven thousand people give it a nine point one, mm-hmm. and it has a ninety nine on Metascore. And so if we did, uh, let's just do Wind Waker just for a comparison's sake. So Wind Waker Metacritic, a nine from fifteen hundred reviews and a ninety-six. So like, just based on that, I mean, I'm they're both highly rated games, yeah. but like, you know, that review would tell you that there's a greater amount of people that would prefer Ocarina of Time over Wind Waker just off that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one other would be Majora's Mask because that's on the N sixty four as well. Mm-hmm. That one's a lot weirder. Yeah, no, I know. And Majora's Mask is. If it would load. Uh, I think it's 95% based on this from what I'm seeing. No, 9.1 and a 95 Metacritic score. So, yeah. like, again, like, it's not as highly rated. Ocarina of Time has a lot more reviews. I mean, we're talking 5,500 more reviews in both of those games. So, it's yeah. played a lot more as well. So, you know, for me, I think a lot of it is people's nostalgia for that game. 
and just hyping the hell out of it over however many years is going to put it such a high peak that am I going to feel like, yes, it's one of the greatest Zelda games of all time? So far, no. But I mean, like I said, I'm early on. Could surprise me. Could be much better. I'm looking at it positively in a manner of I think it's going to get better. And this is just kind of the early on piece of it. And there are some components I like. But by by all means, I wouldn't call it like the greatest game on the N64 as of right now as it stands. So we'll see. I'm going to get a lot of shit for this one. Yeah, I know. Every time we start talking about Ocarina of Time, I'm like, you know, whatever. The internet has roasted a thousand people for talking bad about Ocarina of Time yeah. at this time. I think it's it's kind of normalized a little bit more that it's, you know, okay to have whatever neutral opinion on something that other people love. Well, and a big part of it is just a fanboyism that's tied to both Zelda and Nintendo and the nostalgia components. So it's like don't talk bad about my childhood type of mentality. And it's like, okay, cool. Like I have an opinion on this. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think that's part of it. And we've talked about like the rabid fan base of Nintendo in the past where it's just, you could have the same exact game on a PlayStation and Nintendo and a Nintendo like hardcore fan is going to tell you that the Nintendo version is so much better for X, Y, Z, even though like technically the PlayStation game is going to be so much better graphically, <laughs> power-wise. Like, everything is going to be better, but Nintendo's better by far because, oh, well, it's on the Switch and I can take it wherever I want. Yeah. Like, that, that at the end of the day, is always, like, the, the key thing that I've noticed. Um, okay, I see that you picked up nothing and you did not play anything this week. Yeah, um, I really didn't. <laughs> I, uh, I just kind of had a lazy week this week. Um... Shout out to Noah Caldwell Gervais put out a five-hour video talking about Dark Souls one, two, and three. Nice. That's a great watch. You should I'll do that instead of play video games. Mm, I don't know. Not man. you, John. Yeah, the I, listeners. I can't. I can. I can spend ten minutes watching a video and then I'm done. It's usually how it goes. Yeah, I can't. Watch. <laughs> At this point, if you've ever, if you've listened to us talk for five hours cumulatively in your life, you're amazing. Give that time to Noah. He deserves it more. <laughs> yeah dude there's uh somebody out in the the isle of man i think is what it is out near thank you isle of man no man is an island that whoever that is has downloaded i don't know how many episodes so far of ours and i just look and i'm like that's cool so i call my wife i'm like check this out like this dude out here is is listening to us and i don't know how big the country is but it's it's not on the larger sides so it's pretty cool yeah you know so thank you to that listener and all the other listeners. All right. Uh, this week we got a little bit of news. Not really heavy news, but some good stuff. So uh, there's a, a recent report, but commentary made by a developer that the PS VR 2 controllers could be the best of this generation. So we'll kind of discuss a little bit about that. Uh, former PlayStation boss wishes Sony had supported the Vita more. And uh, last year we've got a, well, it's not really a first look. It's about a week old, but I want to talk about it. Via next Dungeons and Dragons Magic the Gathering crossover set, uh, which I think is Baldur's Gate. Yes. Yeah, so that's gonna be pretty badass. But a little little down by it too, just based on what I read. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that here. Uh, but first, Ryan, glasses please, because I can't read that from here. All right. Uh, this is uh, PSVR two controllers could be the best in this generation, and Foveded rendering is a smart addition. This is by Alessio Palumbo at WCCF Tech. And this is, um, 
you know, there's a little commentary in there, but mostly it's a, some quotes from an article in an interview with um, Official Play magazine and Polyarch principal engineer Brendan Walker talking about, you know, the PSVR 2 and kind of what's going on with that. They've, you know, shown off, uh, you know, the controllers and stuff and people are excited for this and, and there's been some design that's gone into this that he's really thinking is going to give them a leg up on the competition. Uh, particularly, one of the things is if you've ever seen those VR hand grips, they've got that kind of circle cage that encompasses your hand to give you, you know, um, I guess like axial rotation or something, or maybe just as a guard. I don't know. They, I don't know why it's needed to be there, but it's it's there. Uh, so they move those back on the hand so that if you need to hold or interact or do something where your hands are going to be closer together, you're not smacking little cages against each other to stop it. So that's kind of, I mean, just a basic ergonomic design thing that would have gotten, you know, fiddled with and probably eventually put into an optimized position. But then also uh, talking about Foveted rendering, or I'm trying to get the article to actually pull up here at my link, but it's um, like eye tracking. They yeah. It makes it so that, you know, if the VR headset can track where you're actually looking at on the screen, it can essentially uh, use less power to give detail to where your actual peripheral is to save a lot of power and, you know, processing. So that's like, that's definitely a next level kind of thing that's going to be really good for these systems. Well, I'm happy in, in the aspect that Sony is clearly taking her time on this. You know, they, they didn't rush it out the gate. I mean, we're entering, or we really are into year two right now, the PlayStation 5, and we have very minimal information on this console, uh, or not console, but headset for VR. And... Dude, I'm, I'm kind of stoked about it. The fact that they really are taking the time to put in key features that are going to benefit the gamer and, of course, help with, um, you know, just putting out a quality product. Yeah, and longevity. Like, yeah. really, he also talks about, you know, being that this is going to be tied in with a console, they want it to have, you know, a good lifespan on it. And I think that the PSVR definitely had a good long run with it. So... You know, they should definitely be able to replicate that success here and putting some of those things in that like older gen VR just didn't have is really going to make that, I think, introduction for a lot of people because we're going to be probably onboarding a lot of new VR users with this PSVR 2. People like me or even you, you know, we want to see at least a couple or, you know, things come out, prove the market, get some buildup. Like you've got a whole backlog of games that you've already picked up and you'll be ready to hit the ground running as soon as this comes out. And it'll have all of those quirks and things worked out. It'll have all these more futuristic features and you'll really be like enjoying that until, you know, whatever the actual mainstream VR that we're probably going to see in another five years out from now actually hits. Yeah, my thing right now, though, is I don't believe they have confirmed PlayStation 4 game support 
for PlayStation VR 2. Uh, yeah, I don't I think know. I've it seen just, that yet. It just seems ridiculous that it wouldn't since like PS4 games are all backwards compatible playable on the PS5. I mean, you would think, but like, you know, I'll give you an example. We were trying to play to Retron a while back, right? You would think that that'd be compatible with all NES games, but it was not able to play. I think it was Explode was the game. There's like a handful of games that cannot well, yeah, but transfer that's like over. A but, hugely different no, product. No, I, I know, but I'm just saying like from a compatibility aspect, you know, are there features on the PSVR 2 that you cannot bring forward, you know, on the PS4 games? Like, that's what I'm wondering. Like the eye tracking component, right? Is that something that those games are not going to be able to do? Well, I think that the PSVR 1 games are going to be rendered in a lower fidelity anyways. Like, I think the PSVR 2 is just beefier, so it'll probably not need to do that. I think that that's going to be more of a thing that's going to be saving, like... Once they start getting like really crazy, like first person shooter game with like a bunch of particle effects and stuff going on, like you want everything in your cone of vision to be replicating that, but like, you know, whatever's going on over here off to your right is less important. Yeah. But like, I don't think Moss is going to pose that challenge. And that's actually one of the games I really want to play. So I specifically bought that one to play on the next generation VR. Well, you know, I don't think there's too much more to cover on this one. Um, you know, there's not a lot of information out. Hopefully Sony unveils a bit more now that they've got uh, Project Spartacus now, you know, mm. the different PlayStation uh, subscriptions model out. Or not out, but, you know, announced. Hopefully this is like the next big announcement that they go towards. That's another thing. Like, will that have some tie-in? Like, are PSVR games going to be available on that system? Because that's another thing. Like, it's going to be a huge investment to get this headset and it's going to take probably i'm guessing as long of a waiting time to get one of these as it's taken to get like a ps5 uh you know like for the first year they're going to be invisible i'm sure maybe i don't know i mean when psvr it depends on how many people want to pick this up like you're i don't know you have to con let's consider that there might not be as big of a audience for these vr games mm-hmm you know, even during like these shortages, there's still been tons of VR systems. And, and that's the other thing is like, it's not like it's just PlayStation, Nintendo and, you know, Xbox, right? You do have Oculus and you do have other companies out there producing VR yeah. type headsets, some of which could be better, actually, or some of which are in fact better uh, than what the VR2 is supposed to be putting yeah. out. So I think there's enough competition to mark that this shouldn't really be an issue to get your hands on, but... You know, scalpers going to be scalpers. So, mm -hmm. so we'll see. I'm curious about the price point, though. You said 500 a while back, right? You know, that's what I was hoping. Um, I'm still going to guess 300. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be nice. Yeah, if it's 300, I'm grabbing it. But we'll see. I think that's what the existing VR is right now. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next thing is former PlayStation boss, which or U.S. boss, which is uh, Sony supported the Vita more. Uh, you're gonna have to read that. I cannot see it. Uh, this is by Tom Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. There we go. And this was uh, Jack Tretton who was speaking on this. Yeah. So I, I can jump in real quick on this one, man. Uh, you know, basically, he kind of goes into the idea that you know Sony, in a sense release this a little bit too late um you know they had great success with the playstation portable 
And then they release this Vita and there just wasn't a whole lot of marketing dollars put towards it. There wasn't a whole lot of support from a developer aspect put towards it. And they just kind of came into a point where, you know, you have these handheld devices nowadays that are just on you at all times. And, you know, when the Vita came out in 2011, I think it was, it just wasn't the same type of consumer base. At that point in time, you just didn't have kids saying, I need the Vita. Like, yeah, we had our cell phones, but gaming wasn't as like prevalent, you know, 11 years ago as it is today on your cell phone. It just graphically, it wasn't the same. Uh, Hardware wise was the same sort of Vita in a sense. I guess you could look and say, was it too late in the market because of things like the 3DS already kind of having a foothold or was it too early as well because of like the Nintendo Switch for example like I think it was I think it was a, it was a bad time to honestly launch it. Yeah, I think it it just had the problem of smartphones and mobile gaming catching on at that point and people being like I don't need a full on game in my pocket. I just need something to entertain me long enough to be entertained for. And so I remember like early RPGs and stuff coming out on mobile games. And I mean, I have never been great at mobile gaming, like getting into it, except for, you know, like certain games, Uh, but like bigger things like that, I've never really been able to invest time in. And I've always been like, you know, having the actual thing with me is more compelling, like the physical device. And I think maybe some of the limitations of like, why couldn't it have had some smartphone capability? Like technically I think you could do it if you had like the SIM card and uh, Skype and a Skype number. I think you could kind of use it as a phone in that sense, but like they had a whole like Sony Ericsson line of phones prior to that. Like I think that, had they tried to incorporate it into more of a thing or like even the um, PSP Go was like just almost right there. Like if it had just been able to close up and be a smartphone, like they could have had a whole different world of like more successful handhelds and more successful smartphones, I think. But that just ship kind of sailed and they never really pursued it in that way. And like the N-Gage was like a horrible experience. So... There wasn't a lot of, you know, success in that world at that time. And I think it was a lot more than the DS was, like 100 bucks more or so. Something like that, yeah. I mean, it was more powerful, though. It yeah. was like having a, basically, like a PS3 in your hands. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, seeing the success of not just, like, the Switch. Obviously, the Switch is popular. Nintendo's always going to make popular handholds. But, like, with the Steam Decks, like, huge success. And even the success of things like the Analog Pocket and other, like, bespoke, you know, handhelds. Like, I wouldn't honestly rule out Sony trying to revisit it in the future. Especially if they start to move towards, like, you know, trying to really push this new PS Plus service out there the way Game Pass is. Like... Game Pass is already down to put Game Pass on the Steam Deck as soon as they can figure out a way that they don't have to pay Valve 30% of that. You know, I'm sure. But Sony's not going to do that. Sony's not going to put that on there. But, like, if they had their own thing that could run it and enough people would buy it, you know, I think they would go for that. 
Dude, I, I've always liked your idea on the Sony cell phone. If they would just, I mean, they obviously have cell phones, but a, a phone that does double up as like a, a handheld console. I mean, come on, dude. They make a boatload of money with that. Yeah. And or then, even just an official flagship phone with like an official Sony docking thing. Yeah. With the, we want to see the square triangle X circle face buttons on there. Yeah, like some sort of docking thing, and and then obviously the ability to mirror it to your TV if you want to do yeah. that. I think it would work. I mean, I, I think Sony could go down down that route if they wanted to. Of course, the Switch is, you know, a little more powerful in that regard. But I mean, you have things like the Switch Lite, where it's just handheld only. So yeah, I mean, really, that's the market right there that you can kind of capture. Where it's cool, you have the Switch Lite that's handheld only, but we've got a cell phone tied into so you can play your mobile games and oh by the way you can mirror your mobile games onto your TV and you can access PlayStation games in there as well and play with a controller that hooks up to it so it's all of these things in one like it, it totally makes sense but you know unless there's a Sony exec listening to us who sees the demand from two people I think not the problem is is that just once you start mixing too many products together it becomes not something that appeals broadly to both of those other audience, but something that only narrowly really appeals to niche people that belong to both. So instead of promoting somebody to buy a phone and a PlayStation, you're just trying to sell one product to half as many people. Well, I mean, you could, it depends on how they market it too. I mean, if you're marketing it like this sleek new top of the line device like an iphone for example and get people wanting this device and i don't know maybe put in some fake shortages as well so that way it seems like it's super popular and nobody can pick it up and create that demand i mean i think they could totally create a whole movement for that type of device i mean there's but it goes back to this sony yeah. didn't want to put towards the marketing dollars to make the vita a success yeah they didn't show the support they needed and at the end of the day that's probably what you know killed it yeah so I love the Vita. I, I will always treasure my time with my Vita and, and keep it around and look at it and mostly not play it. <laughs> yeah, I need to buy one still. So if you ever want to get rid of it, let me know. I'll buy no. it. Uh, okay, so you know what sucks? So kind of really quick before we go into that, I had an opportunity to buy a Vita for like 50 bucks a couple of years back. And I didn't because it had like, you know, some things wrong with the buttons and scratches and whatnot and i was like yeah you know i don't it doesn't look like it's in the best condition i should have just picked it up yeah we've like got two we got Bria a blue one in japan oh nice yeah i need to get one all right so your first look at the next dungeons and dragons magic the gathering crossover set uh this is polygon and i can't see the name but charlie, like hall. charlie hall yep that's i got it i got it so I'm not going to go deep into details on this, but, you know, we already had the Forgotten Realm set that came out uh, last year at some point. I don't remember exactly when. I think it was September? I don't remember. I think it was September. You're right. So we had that set come out, and now they're revisiting. They're doing Baldur's Gate. The thing that I don't like is it's commander-focused. So it's commander-set. They said it's draftable. Yeah, it's draftable, but is it standard legal? You know? I don't think it is. So... If it's draftable, it's one thing, which is fine. But yeah, it's going to be a commander-based set. I'm guessing it's going to be similar to Conspiracy, where you can use the cards, you know, pending reprints and stuff. You can use them in certain types of uh, formats. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the fact that they went more commander on this. And yes, it's draftable, but to me, that's just not as fun, man. 
if it's just like a limited set like that, there's a reason I didn't go into Conspiracy when it came out. And the set is honestly, Conspiracy is pretty much worthless for the most part. There's a few good cards, uh, but was it worth drafting? Not really. Now, if they have some like sweet-ass lands in this that are all Dungeons & Dragons focused, I think that'd be pretty cool and a good reason to draft it. Or some like cards that are within standard right now that maybe don't have the D&D type of treatment. That might be cool as well to be able to draft it. But commander only and draftable just isn't appealing to me. And it's kind of disappointing when I saw that news. See, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum because we are totally different when it comes to Magic the Gathering in the sense that you actually play and know and I pretend and buy. <laughs> <laughs> so I originally got back into Magic last year for the D&D set and for the future 40K and Lord of the Rings sets because I thought, hey, I love Magic. I love these properties. I would love to see how those things interact. And then, of course, you know, Innistrad came out. And I was like, ooh, vampires and werewolves. That's cool. I like the art in these. And then Kamigawa, ooh, yeah. But now I'm not excited for the Caponera or whatever. Oh, dude, that one's so cool. It's like mobsters and stuff. Yeah. It, it, just... it reminds me of Gotham for Batman. See, and that's the thing, like, it's just a bunch <clears throat> of money that you can spend on magic, and I'm not excited about, like, what's behind it, and I'm never going to get all the cards, I'm never going to build, like, all the best decks, I'm never going to do all the magic things with it, so I'm just going to look forward to these other tie-ins, probably, and really cool my jets on magic at the meantime, like we talked, do some, you know, promotion things or some drafts here and there. So that's why I am excited for this because like I would love to go do a draft for this, buy a commander deck for this and feel satisfied. Don't feel like I need to go get, you know, um a full box of packs and a fat pack and do all this stuff for something that ultimately I'm going to enjoy for that, but not a whole lot beyond it. You know, if you want to get into like playing tournaments with me though, they have budget builds for standard that are actually fairly competitive like the burn deck that I won with last week, I think it, I paid 85 bucks for well, everything. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's just, that's magic stuff. And magic stuff is cool and fine, but it's like, I'm more excited for this because it is D&D. Like, I want to see gotcha. the other monsters and stuff that didn't make the cards. Like, I love the flavor text on all the cards, you know, that give you like, like, if you, if you open a pack of the D&D Forgotten Realms, like, you could build a campaign out of the cards that are there and like make a whole adventure for people. And I, I think that that's really fun. You know, Ryan also, uh, he didn't say it here, but he's also excited for the Fortnite magic, the gathering uh, crossover. Oh, are they? Apparently. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do anything with the last like secret layer that came out and I'm still waiting for my monster movie poster once to come in. Yeah. Those should be in soon. They had a street fighter crossover as well. I think. Yeah. That street fighter one that was supposed to be, I, I watched the people online and they talk about like, you know what a good deal certain things are sometimes. And it's like, man, if you got that one and resold it, that would have been worth some money. But like, I don't know, I guess that's true of anything. If you want to get into speculative markets. Yeah, I mean, there's so many specs, dude. Like, that's one of the things I love about buying magic cards and doing drafts is when you start getting, like, commons that are a decent common, and yeah. you're like, yeah, this is going to be pretty good. Like, there's a card right now that's running, like, $4 a piece for a common. And I've yeah. got, like, 12 <laughs> So, Like, if I was into Street Fighter, you know, maybe yeah. that would have been cool. But it's, like, there's so many other gaming properties. Like, here, real quick before we, you know, do other stuff, let's just have some fun. Like, 
if you could cross over a video game franchise and get like a secret layer set out of it, like what would be like a cool one to do? I mean, my mind immediately goes to Final Fantasy Mm -hmm. because I think there's enough creatures and such in that world that just transfer over. Into, not not like a whole set, just like a just like, like a, a secret layer. Yeah, 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 like a I five it, card secret layer. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Malboro. Yeah, like right off the bat, Tonberry. You know, like Cactuar. Now I know you have the Final Fantasy trading card game, so the mm-hmm. likelihood of that happening for Magic is super slim. But I think that's that's a pretty cool. <laughs> you know, what? I was just thinking, Pokemon's a video game. Pokemon Magic cards. <laughs> You're thinking Pokemon. I was, yeah. I I didn't go Pokemon. I went Mario at first. Like, well, my mind went Final Fantasy, and I was thinking Mario. I'm like, now nah, Mario would be stupid for uh, Magic: The Gathering. Dude, I was thinking Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight be sick. Um, yeah, Hollow Knight would be pretty cool. Or like Metroid might be pretty cool as mm-hmm. well. But you know, I I think the Final Fantasy would be a good like secret layer. Yeah, if they ever did that. That might be one that I would pick up depending on what. And it it's is. got great art. Like the the art for Final Fantasy, it's its own thing separate from the games. And to see that like in Magic would be really cool too. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the statues that you skip put out, but there was like Final Fantasy statues and Batman statues mm-hmm. or figures. I don't remember. They're like high end, like three and four hundred dollar figures. They were always super badass, and like that type of art, like that gritty dark art, would totally translate into Magic: The Gathering. Or if like did the, something. The summons from FF10, those would be cool, dude. Anima, like just a card for Anima, that'd be badass. But, but yeah, um, that's a whole totally different ball game right there. And I, I might pick up something like that foil, if, you know, if it came out. If you guys like the crossovers, let us know. I know some people are not a fan. I know that the Stranger Things and the Walking Dead. Walking Dead sets did not super go over well, but I think the Tekken one was a little, or not Tekken, Street Fighter one was a little more well received. So let us know if you're into mixing IP and games. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into a little bit of a inflation deflation with Garfield Kart Furious Racing. Uh, this was developed by Artifact Studios. It was published by Microids. And it was divine, ah, <laughs> designed by Sebastian Mayorgas. And it was released in November of 2016. And it is a racing combat racing game. Uh, and reception was around a 7, which is actually quite high when you think a licensed game like this. Um, kind of makes you think back of, uh, you know, like the Mickey Speedways and whatnot. Like, pretty decent reception, decent yeah. game. And that's kind of where I'm at with this, man. You know, it's not Mario Kart. We'll get that out of the way. It's not Speed Punks. Speed Punks, I think, is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, but it's a racing game, and it's got its quirks, and it's got its fun stuff. Uh, as far as, you know, my thoughts on it overall, graphically, I felt it was good. The musical scores that are tied to it are great. I love the copycatting of Mario. It's like, it's copy my... Uh, Nintendo will let you copy the homework, but... Just don't make it too obvious. Yeah, this is quite obvious with the lasagna cup and the pizza cup and the ice cream cup. And I don't remember the other cup, but there was another cup. And, you know, the courses themselves are very Mario-esque in that regard, uh, where you have your your speed boosts. Of course, all racing games have a speed boost like that. You have, like, candy packets or something. Yeah. Or, like, noodles, I think, is what you grab to get your, like, your weapons. And then, uh, you know, of course, various things that can be utilized. You know, that was all good. Um, the things that I didn't like necessarily were, I would say, the character selection was minimal, but maybe you unlock more. We didn't look into that. Um, the I don't voices. think the character selection mattered 
I think the carts were really the only thing that had any influence. Well, I mean, you always like that. But here's the thing. Like, character selection should matter in respect to, like, voices. And the biggest problem I felt was the lack of voices on the track. There wasn't much personality. Yeah, and so, like... You expect personality from Garfield. Like, that's his whole thing is that he's, like, grumpy. Well, and there wasn't... Like, there's a TV show on it. So it's not like you can't pull the audio from the TV show and incorporate it in there, especially when it's a licensed game. So it's like you have years of audio that could be incorporated into this video game. So maybe it was an aspect of they didn't want to pay. All you need is a, I hate Mondays. That's all. That's, That's all it. you really need. Or like Normal doing her thing or John doing his line. Odie barking. That's yeah. fine because I don't think Odie, I don't remember if Odie talks. I think he just barks. Yeah, I think he just barks too. And like squeak for it. Like, and that's the thing. Certain characters set a line. So like... Oh, they did? Yeah. When you chose the character, some of them actually said something. Oh, so like, I only ever chose Odie, so I was the silent protagonist. Yeah, so I chose Squeaks the Mouse, or whatever his name is, and like he said, like, let's go, or whatever, and then the ratty old cat never said was anything like, else. Yeah, like, but that's all he said. And, you know, when you got hit by something, nothing happened. Whenever uh, they're starting to race, nothing happens. Whenever they hit somebody else, nothing happens. Like, it's just silent audio. So, I don't know, maybe that was the update that I didn't put in because it said to update the game maybe that's part of it like that was a voice patch i don't know but i think that's a generous assumption (laughs) yeah exactly so out the gate that is a the one thing that bugged me um maybe it's any options but the lack of a map you just got a straight line going down the middle and split screen maybe in the like individual player that's what i was thinking it might have it but like for us it just had straight up like a line yeah it's like just put in the top corner or something like it's not gonna bug us um, or at the very bottom when you don't know where you don't notice down it. in the middle where it shares a little bit of both your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that to kind of give us an idea of like what remains on the track other than just a straight line. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of buggy. I, I think, uh, one thing that bugged me in the racing components, if you got on somebody like bumped into them, you could not get off. Like there wasn't any sort of you know, oh, well, you move to the left and I'll move to the right type of thing. It's like, no, if you're trying to get out, like you were stuck to their car. Like mm-hmm. I could not get out of certain situations and would like run into walls uh, because of it. All of that said, though, you and I played the 100cc, which, of course, when you think about Mario, 50cc, 100cc and 150cc, like it felt very similar to that. And it it wasn't too bad. I mean, I placed first in the first go round and then we tied for second in our second go round of racing. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I think that, you know, cart racers are generally pretty safe. I think a lot of companies come out with licensed cart racers because it, it's pretty, you know, satisfying gameplay. Um, the things that they did different in this to other games, um, the, the weapons and items that you got were kind of multifaceted. So, like, there was a pie, and you hit circle to attack behind you, square to attack in front of you. If you square the pie, it's basically just a green shell. I don't think it bounces, though. Yeah. And then if you circle, you just drop it like a banana. So, you know, I like that items have different versatility. It's not just, like... Throw the banana in front, throw the banana in hot behind. Either way, it's just a banana. Yeah. I like that there's like different properties. Um, I think that, at least to me, and maybe I just have played less Mario Kart than everybody. I don't know. I felt like these tracks were a lot more constrained. Like, I felt like I really needed to try a lot more to stay on the path. I feel like a lot of Mario Kart 
has very light, wide lanes that you don't have to worry about like going off-road unless you're really screwing up or unless it's a certain area of the turns. But I felt that a lot more in this. Um, the driving was fine. The boosting, I actually did like the boosting. Yeah, I, I didn't think that it was... Um, sometimes, you know, you're playing a kart racer and it's like, it's hard to get the boost because it takes way too long or something. Or... The boost just doesn't feel impactful at all. Like once you get the boost, like you really rock it forward. And once you get like the double boost, you really go and it's noticeably longer and better than the first one. It does make your turning a little wonky and sometimes turning was a little wonky in general, uh, especially in the air. Like no matter what I was doing, like anytime I went off a jump, I felt like I was just like, a dead rock until like half a second I after I hit the ground. Like you couldn't really like plan to land into a turn and make it look good. You just kind of bumped into the wall and bounced for a sec. Yeah. You know, I will say the controls in this game, at first I was a little shocked because we had to use uh, the R2 for accelerate or really just to, mm -hmm. to go. And, you know, I, at first I didn't like that. And then I realized how much more comfortable it was compared to other racers or kart racers I play that have, you know, combat aspects where instead of holding X to accelerate and you're here with like your index finger trying yeah. to drift and also select weapons and potentially shoot with like L1 or whatever it may be, like it just felt so much more fluid that just, okay, cool. R2, L2 for, you know, reverse and, and forward. So I don't have to worry about circle circle square to do my weapons triangle didn't have anything although triangle could have been reverse if they wanted to <clears throat> and then x was a drift it felt so comfortable to use x as my drift compared to other titles you know i never did the defend thing it said in like a tip thing that popped up that you could defend from attacks I against that you too. and i never did it i was never able to i don't know what was up with that there were a couple, like, I will say this game is probably, I mean, maybe the patch would have helped. There were some certain things that happened, like, I fell off a course, and then the guy dropped me back down facing the wrong direction. So that was kind of shitty. Yeah. Um, I, there was a time where I had, like, a power-up, and I couldn't use the power-up. It just wouldn't activate, and I had to go through the rest of the course just with that item. Yeah. Um, but all in all, you know, I was actually... Impressed seems such a generous word. I don't know if I was impressed, but I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that this was going to be like a, just a crap game, but you know, um, I guess Garfield holds many mysteries. You know, when I first got this game, I got it specifically because I think it was a low print title. I was like, well, you know, I think about it for 15 bucks. I'm like, I'll buy it for like 15 bucks. Like, it's not bad. And it's a kart racer and. You know, maybe down the road I'll play at some point. But genuinely, I was surprised with this one. I, I thought it was actually pretty good. So, so Brass Tacks. Yeah. Complete in box. Right now, we're sitting at 1727. That peaked at 2598 in February of 2022. I think that was just like a, a single spike on the graph, though. Maybe. But, I mean, that kind of goes into the whole concept of, like, the game has held some value. Because I, I think I bought it. It was, like, 10 or... I think it was 15 bucks, like, early 2021 or 2020 mm -hmm. I bought it. And the game's been out for quite a while. So, you'd figure, you know, this game's been out six years. Yeah. So, the fact that it's still sitting at 1727 as a licensed title, that that's actually held some value. 
Uh, loose going 1681. That peaked at 1898 in March of 2021. That's holding pretty steady too. So yeah, I mean, like what you're saying, you know, if this is a a low print run game, it's held its value to there. I mean, we played it, you know, for a little bit. It's definitely not Mario Kart. It's definitely not going to be the next game you're going to go to forever. But like, if you're a collector of, and I always bring this up whenever we get into license stuff like this, but like. I was just watching a video uh, earlier today. This YouTuber, Izzy, check her stuff out. She's really cool. Uh, she's got a whole shelf of Garfield shit in her background. People collect Garfield stuff. Garfield is... It, it, I'm doing a lot of shoutouts this episode. Super Eye Patch Wolf has a deep dive, like, huge video on the horrors of internet Garfield. Oh, God. Check that out. Uh, no, don't check that out. Um, <laughs> don't check so out Internet Garfield. Garfield has taken on a life of itself. So if you're into that aspect, this is definitely something for you to pick up because it's probably going to be one of the best Garfield games out there. Like, I can't imagine there's a lot of good Garfield games out there. This is probably like peak Garfield for that sense. Not peak racing games, but if you really like kart racers and you want to throw another one on the fire, this is not a bad one to play. Yeah. So this has a lot of different kind of appeals. So in that sense, and the fact that the completed box is like 50 cents more than the loose price, I'm going to say that, you know, this is just right. I thought you were about to say deflated. No. Like, Holy crap, Ryan. Uh, yes, I mean, look, if, if you saw the game at 20 bucks, you're going to have a decent time. And if you have kids... Uh, this might be a good game for them. I'm going to, if you right. see a game at $15, definitely buy it. Yeah. And at 1727, I think it's just right. I, I'm going to asterisk this one. Actually. Really? I'm going to speculate that it could potentially be deflated. Okay. Based yeah. off of the fact that there's, I'm going to wager. There's probably worse kart racing games that cost more. And worse Garfield merch that costs more. Yeah. Like, if you consider that, like, probably any Garfield plush is going to be $20 and you could get this, that's that's kind of deflated. Yeah. I don't think deflated so. with an asterisk. <laughs> deflated with an asterisk. All right, let's go ahead and put it in our rating, I guess. Uh, yeah. Dude, I enjoyed it. So, uh, pick up Garfield Cart uh, Furious Racing. It's actually worth it uh all right so next week i'm feeling you know sonic 2 just came out we're not gonna make any promises per se because we may not get to see it but i'm thinking i'm gonna go see sonic this week and maybe uh do a little review next week so yeah i uh i just got a sonic happy meal toy and it was almost as creepy as the first sonic like the one that we didn't get, the one oh, with the yeah. teeth. Yeah, it looked oh, yeah. a lot more like that than, you know, <laughs> than I, the Sonic we actually caught, unfortunately. We were, we were sitting in a theater watching Lost City, that movie. That oh, was out. it good? <clears throat> actually, it was. I, really, I, I wanted to see that. I actually really liked it. I mean, it's a, a cheesy like, mm -hmm. romance flick in a sense, but it has some it was, action to it. Yeah, it's got Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it's got Daniel Radcliffe and Channing Tatum's ass. I mean, what else could you need, right? right. So, uh, so yeah, we uh, we watched that and we liked it. It was good. Um, not as good as the Batman. I, I think Batman it's so great. weird that that and Uncharted are out at like the same time. I watched Uncharted actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. 
Uh, which You're I, like, no, actually, I got the movies confused. You're right. It was Uncharted. No, no, I actually watched both. I saw Uncharted last week, and then this two days ago or so, I saw Lost City. Uh, so, yeah, we hadn't had a chance to talk about that one. Um, Have you played Uncharted? Yeah, I played all of them except the Vita one. Okay, cool. How was it? Like, the movie? You know, so, it's wrong casting. 100%. Tom Holland has no business. Because he looks 12? Yeah. <laughs> no business being Nathan Drake. That that was the worst move. So, him and then, uh, who plays Sully? What's Marky his name? Mark. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Marky worst. Mark could have played nate drake 20 years ago worst <laughs> casting ever in that respect the movie itself was not bad i enjoyed the movie for what it was but i just couldn't get it out like if you went into this blind and had no like history of uncharted you would have gone into it and said hey this is actually a pretty good movie like it's got action it's got comedy it's got all these things that you would want right it's a good popcorn summer movie um it's not the best movie ever but it's a decent movie but it was so miscasted, dude. Like, that was the thing that bugged me the whole time. Just watching Tom Holland, like, he's not Nathan Drake. Yeah. Like, if you did this as a prequel, and you're looking at it from the aspect of we're going to digitally age Tom Holland in three or four years to make him look more like a gritty Nathan Drake, great. But he looks like a kid that's, you know, just out of high school that is treasure hunting. Yeah. It makes no sense. I think one of the biggest issues with, like, this approach is just that, like, Uncharted was one of those games that was, like, all right, games and cinema and the differences between them are starting to go away. Like, Uncharted just tells such a story with, like, characters that a lot of games, you know, up to that point hadn't really gotten there and i mean it really paved the way for things like you know the last of us and stuff to eventually come out and i think that so many people have a real attachment to that and it's it's been a while like when did the last uncharted game come out like four years ago or something like this is kind of weird timing too Well, you had lost legacy or whatever it is that's uh the female characters go off and do their own thing and that was a few years back but you know, I look at the, the most recent Tomb Raider movie that came out, right? It actually got pretty poor reviews in general, right? It wasn't like the best movie ever. But for a Tomb Raider movie, the casting, I felt was spot on with what they did. Like, it looked like Laura Croft. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? Like, I would rather have a shitty Uncharted movie with the right casting than the wrong casting and a decent Uncharted movie in terms of, like, the overall, you know, feature. It just, it felt wrong, man. Like, that's just not Nathan Drake. And yeah. that's what bugged me the most. It'd be like getting Aloy from, you know, Horizon and casting somebody without the dreadlocks that she's got going on, right? And just did, mm-hmm. like, a normal hairdo. Like, it just doesn't match to that character's personality and qualities. So that's what really got me. And, you know, I just didn't enjoy it for that aspect. But Lost City was good. Um, would definitely watch that one again at some point. Um, you know, Uncharted, decent, I guess. And the Batman, I saw that a few weeks back as well. I, that's the best Batman movie ever, in my opinion. There's yeah. a lot of people who say it's not because it's too slow. And, you know, and there's plot holes. At the end of the day, if you're a Batman fan, there's not really any plot holes in that movie. And it's a fantastic film. Yeah. And the majority of moviegoers would disagree with you if you think it's a bad film. So, I don't know if you saw it or not. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I, I liked thought it. it was great. So, um, I would actually put it above the the Nolan franchise. Um of movies i preferred it over those which is 
kind of scary because John's are my views do not necessarily reflect the values of all of Game Deflators. <laughs> I'd like to make a public announcement right now. Yeah. Well, everybody got a bonus movie review uh, <laughs> for Inflation Deflation. So, Sonic movie, hopefully next week. Uh, all of that said, this has been episode 178 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.